Heard at Sports Radio. Every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Drop yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. Hope you're doing all right. If you're just catching up with this uh, new landing spot this morning over on KFOR, FM 1015 and 1240 AM. Numbers to get in, 402-489-1240, 402-489-1240. And can find us on different social media channels. Hail Varsity, the YouTube channel, Hail Varsity's Twitter feed for radio at HVarsity Radio, and uh, of course, KFOR uh, Twitter. So that's where we're at. We do this every uh, weekend, every Saturday at 7 uh, with the weekend edition of Hail Varsity Radio. Been a pretty interesting week from a recruiting standpoint for Nebraska. Matt Rule, Nebraska's head football coach, made his rounds, of course, with a couple of different podcasts and media outlets is where he sat down with. So pretty um, pretty good intel from him. And uh, Nebraska basketball stays hot as uh, they have won three out of four. They look to make things happen tomorrow at PBA against Maryland. Husker baseball kicked off the 2023 season last night. And a tough way to go for Coach Bolt in the Big Red as uh, they fell 7-3 to San Diego. Elijah, what's uh, happening on your end? Good uh, good Friday night. Ready to roll roll this morning? I've been ready to roll this morning. Uh, Friday night was just fine. Caught an episode of Survivor with my roommates and uh, tried to get to bed as early as I could. Nothing too exciting on a Friday night, I guess, uh, from my perspective. I'm just ready for uh, a, a week with the women in action today. Uh, you got the men in action tomorrow. That's good stuff. And uh, with baseball, I didn't get a chance really to, to catch much of that game last night. I did catch the eighth and ninth inning, which now it seems like in hindsight was probably the two worst innings to catch. Uh, so uh, th- that was a – I don't want to call it a disappointing opening night. Obviously, losing on uh, on opening night is disappointing no matter how many ways you slice it. But uh, – Still, just nice to have Husker baseball back in general, and it's uh, it's a long weekend. You got three games left to to get right, uh, so 
I think if there's any encouraging performance from last night, it was the performance of, uh, of Emmett Olsen on the bump, only giving up a couple of runs in the uh, the innings that he pitched. And the bullpen lets you down just a little bit. That's going to happen this season. You didn't get enough run support, as I'm sure you would have liked either. Uh, but it's early in the season still. You're, you're getting your first warm weather experience right now, and uh, they come back, and they uh, I'm sure they're going to battle the rest of the weekend. Well, let's get uh, Cranach a link sent. Ah, yes, and, that is uh, right. I, I do need to send that off to him, don't I? Yeah. Uh, so let's get you caught up here with the uh, Nebraska rundown here. Again, Husker baseball falling to uh, 0-1 on the year, 7-3 to last night. Huskers had three hits and uh, make that three runs, five hits, no errors. Uh, you had uh, seven runs, ten hits, one error for San Diego. The thing with Nebraska that was no good, though, man, is they left 11 runners on base and just uh, six runners stranded for San Diego. Good news for Nebraska. Some of those guys offensively, Bryce Matthews, two for four at the plate, had a double, uh, two RBI and a walk. And uh, you had Dylan Carey, one for four in his college debut. Uh, And uh, Griffin Everett and uh, Charlie Fisher, along with Josh Karen. They drew two walks uh, apiece for the Big Red. Emmett Olsen got the loss, went five and a third. Uh, Garza came in, went uh, one and a third in his Husker debut, allowed just one run, two hits, uh, struck out a pair. Uh, the the thing though is uh, uh, the the runners in scoring position, the stranded runners, that uh, the dish the difference for Nebraska last night. You had uh, San Diego breaking a two two tie in the six with Kevin Sims, uh, and uh, that turned things from a tie ball game to a four to two deficit in the seventh. So what have we talked about this week for for Nebraska baseball? What's the offense going to be able to do in key situations? What's the middle relief going to be like for the big red? And uh, can you, uh, can you capitalize offensively? Uh, We welcome in uh, Mark Cranach. As uh, he's Mr. Baseball, <laughs> he's uh, he's excited for another season uh, of Big Red Baseball. And uh, he's also somebody that will be in the third base coach's box this year with his own guy. That's right. Craig, what's up? That's what's up. Good to be with you, gentlemen, this morning after a little bit of a slow start. But that's OK. It's OK. Sometimes slow starts happen. It's how you finish. Right. We're going to have a great section or segment at 7.52 today. Or sorry, 8.52. We're going to finish strong. So it's good to be here. Did you watch any of the San Diego game last night? They streamed it. You can watch these games on the WCC network. I I did did not. I did not. I would imagine the quality was... So what do you mean you tried? Was it was it you tried it and the broadcast was so terrible you had to bail? Or was it... No, I I tried and it would just never connect on my, my phone. Ah, which was problematic and uh, talked to some folks who did connect and it was pretty blurry. So not, not a, not a great setup. Did watch a little Tennessee, uh, Arizona last night. Okay. uh, While I was eating dinner, which was good, but now excited about Husker baseball this year, but uh, some lessons from this first ball game. 
Yeah, well, look, they only got five hits out of the deal last night. Uh, so that's not great. Their their bats were pretty quiet last year too. That was that was they had multiple problems, but that was among them, right? They just they struck out a lot. They didn't put the ball. They just didn't put the ball in play very much. Struck out just nine times last night. I say just, but last year they struck out more than ten, like twenty sometimes. Um, so that's okay, I guess. They they also face a guy. You know, one of the one of the guys that's on San Diego went four for four. He was ready to roll, um, but we'll see, right? I mean, it's a, it's a. What's good about it is it's a, you know, it's a four game, it's a four game stand that they're playing against these guys, so they're going to try a bunch of different rotations. It's early as hell. It's the first time they've been able to play outside. Really, they've had a little bit of practice time, but not not a ton. Not like San Diego, so you can't read too much into it. <laughs> right like you do see people on twitter and message boards freaking out you're just like bro it's baseball like there's, <laughs> it's, there's like 55 games it's game one like calm down calm down calms uh the operative word husker football uh getting more and more uh insight with matt rule crane heck as he's continuing to do the media rounds he's got no chill He's got no chill at all. That's the one thing you notice about Matt Rule. And I just intercepted uh, Schmidt while he had to get his sneeze on. It's all good. Uh, and good morning to you, Elijah, as good morning. well. Good morning. Uh, it's, been, uh, it's been an adventure getting us on the air this morning, but we are here. Yeah, we did it. We did it. So that that's the thing you notice about Matt Rule so far. Dude has no chill. He does not relax. He doesn't sleep a lot. I don't know if this is going to translate to wins. I feel like I always have to give that disclaimer. So whenever we're giving somebody praise or observing something, it doesn't mean that we're saying, so here comes the natty, right? I'm not saying that. But uh, the guy does not relax uh, at all. And you saw the pictures making the rounds yesterday of like putting the sleds out in that snow. I mean, we got what, four to six inches around there? Uh, about eight or nine inches. And the uh, wind chill was minus 10. I mean, it was... Eight or nine. No eight or nine is a little generous. Is, is that the official number, Schmitty? Eight or nine? That seems generous to my mind. Yeah. I was like, what are you? How are you? Are you talking centimeters, bro? No, like, there, there, there definitely were some about? some drifts that reached eight, nine. But like to, to call the, the whole storm eight, nine, I'm not sure that seems generous. But Schmitty's, if there's anybody in the room that would know more than us, Mark, it's Schmitty. He's the one who does news talk every single morning, so. No, that's that's true. He is wow. on there every day. He's probably said it like seven times. That's seven to nine inches of snow. The, the today. official measurement uh, at the Lincoln Airport from the winter storm was eight point eight. Now so. let's take a look at traffic. With <laughs> <laughs> are, are we going to start getting traffic up in here? Come on. Uh, no, but either <laughs> way, not. either way, there was a lot of snow. There was more than five inches. We can confidently say that in the stadium. Six a.m. has the team pushing sleds, not the sledding, not the snow sleds actual sleds like football blocking sleds pushing them the width of the field back and forth in that snow unplowed the stadium was not the field was not plowed so like that gives you a little bit of an extra although maybe that was easier now that i think about it if those things got on skis and were just kind of pushing across the snow maybe it was actually a lot easier than it than it looked the, uh, I, I, the track I, I, video released <laughs> last night did not make it look easier yeah probably not probably not but one of the uh, topics that, that Rule got into uh, with the uh, World Herald had a had a sit down with them was the fourth quarters, and and we spent some time 
Oh, on that. Are we going to start seeing the team hold up the four fingers? No, I, I, I don't think that's a mandate. Like the other team doesn't know it's the four. <laughs> don't worry about these last three. Fourth. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Now, the fourth quarter and, and fourth quarter finishes and you look at Nebraska, why, why has it been the way it's been for so long? Yeah. And a lot of Nebraska fans, younger all they know is fourth quarter disappointments. Now, <laughs> you got to end the season the right way uh, by hanging on against Iowa, but you didn't. But, but you went into that fourth quarter a uh, little tenuous because of of how things and momentum had shifted. It worked out okay, but for the most, uh, Nebraska has been a, a disaster in the fourth quarter. Uh, offensively, defensively, and for sure, special teams-wise, if you go back uh, for a while. And got this email yesterday about um, the the mindset of, well, you know, it's it's overblown with being a, a physical team and it, it translating to, to wins as far as how much hitting you do during the week uh, with, with wins on Saturday. And email I got is from uh, a friend that, that's down at the university. And it, it's just different. We were talking with Dolman about this yesterday. And I said, when did, when did the fourth quarter turn into an issue for Nebraska football? Um, and I remember as a kid growing up, you had some some ball games where teams that ended up competing for and winning national championships had great fourth quarters. University of Washington, as an example, uh, Colorado's fourth quarter in, in 1990, and I know I'm going back quite a few years, but those are two games that stick out before Nebraska's run there where Nebraska led and then fell and, and got pretty much blown out in the fourth quarter. Well, it completely shifted uh, for those championship runs. Um, well, it, uh, it was a good flip and you saw Nebraska be the more physical team. You saw Nebraska pay off, uh, quarters one through three with a dominant fourth quarter of run game and physicality. And Dolman's point was with the pro mentality, that pro style, but came in with the Callahan era, that's when things shifted. And, and I, I I get that. It's about development, guys, that's going to be so key, and that's a big emphasis for, for Matt Rule. Winning those fourth quarters, being the tougher team, being more physical, and having the right amount of bodies to rotate in, either on the offensive or defensive line, more so defensive line, where you can wear down a team. Iowa's done it. Wisconsin's done it specifically uh, in the Big Ten West. That'll be different in two years uh, with what the West is or isn't. And do you feel like Nebraska can be a team that owns the fourth quarter through quarters one through three moving forward in the rural era? Uh, I think it's going to be important to um, to, to do that because uh, rural's point with this, this sit-down with the World Herald is these guys got to get comfortable being uncomfortable in the fourth quarter. He doesn't want their heart rate to spike um, yeah. in the fourth quarter, just because that's the, that's the world you're going to live in, in the big 10 is yeah. uh, fourth quarters. And they're a one score ball game. And we don't need to detail 
one score games with uh, Nebraska yeah. football the last seven years. Yeah, Nebraska's had Nebraska did okay with that even post Solich under Pelini for a couple years, right? Under Rex, like when Rex Burkhead was at tailbacks, he salted a couple games away. Uh, when when they were pretty close, they could count on it. You had Searles blocking. I believe you had Spencer Long at the time too. I could be could be wrong. Quali Caputo time, times there. Yeah, so you were able to put some dudes away or put some teams away with Rex. But it, it has been a while. You, you've maybe had a game or two, you know, each season where you're able to do that against a vastly inferior opponent. But I'm talking about when it's an equal, when when the kind of talent level is fairly equal. Which I kind of view the West as that. You know, um, Nebraska's recruiting rankings have always been better than their peers in the West for the most part, but their retention has been awful. So it kind of balances itself out and you essentially have very equally talented teams, whether you're playing Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, um, pretty equal talent across the board. So then the difference is that mentality, that conditioning, uh, if you know how you script your practices, how you script your program, like you know, what 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 do you emphasize daily? What do you tolerate versus not tolerate? On the team, do you reward versus not reward? Uh, it's you know, I mean, it, it gets down to the very foundation of what your team is about. And now, whether this is going to work, again, another story. And I'm very curious about how this year one is going to go with rule because I don't expect, I don't think any of us expect a Baylor or Temple one or two win kind of season. No, I don't think we see that coming necessarily. Right. Like I'm just like, what? No, because you think you have enough dudes and they, and rule has said it in this setting with the world Herald. And then prior to and the assistants have said it too. They're just like, Hey, this team works. Like, you know, a lot of times you go into a program and you know, their work ethic's terrible and you got guys with terrible attitudes and all that, but that's not what they're walking into. They've been vocal about that. Just saying, no, we got, our team works hard. They're not afraid of it. They're ready to go. And and that's been a pleasant surprise for them. And for that reason, I don't think you're staring, staring down a, a one or two win season necessarily. Well, uh, something we talked about yesterday, Mark, is just how many close games Nebraska had last year with all these, all these fourth quarter. And, and the question I think in my mind is, is how close is that to being able to be flipped whenever you talk about, you know what, you had four games where you were tied or, or had a lead going into the fourth quarter last year, and why aren't you able to hold on to those leads? And, and what's it going to take to be able to flip that from Matt Rule and staff? Is it, is it just simply, you know what, we're going to toughen them up in winter conditioning, we're going to go out there and we're going to push sleds around in the snow? Well, that's awesome, but my question is, is what actually needs to be done to be able to get you over that hump? Is it something that can be flipped in an offseason, or is this something that it's just – you know what, you need different guys in here, and you're going to have to wait through two, three years of development to get those guys ready, a la Baylor, a la Temple. Or is this a, a situation where you can take the guys that you had last year, these same guys who aren't able to hold on to a fourth-quarter lead and make some tweaks and get those things flipped around in order to find more success next season? That, that's the question in my mind, I think. You know, and, and I think the obvious answer that we can dive into here is significant development and improvement along the offensive line. That's how you do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's number one, a one B one C number two is actually calling plays that allow them to showcase that number three is having a tailback and that can find the hole. Right. But offensive line wise, been thinking about this now, Bryce Benhart, he, he got a lot of criticism last year 
he, and if you look at like pro football focus grades, which grades every single play of every offensive lineman across the country, every game, he performed pretty poor early, but later in the year, he started to do well. He started, he started to grade a lot higher to, to which you would say, okay, he improved as the year went along. So you take him, you take new Now Nuri was a, he was a pretty good guard. From what I Very recall. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, but then he had to sit out last year, so he wasn't there. So you, if you have an improved Ben Hart, if you have Newilly back, if you can slide Corcoran inside, which is certainly possible, left tackle just doesn't seem like his spot. You know, it just doesn't. Um, and then you get Prohaska back, and Prohaska showed that he can play a little bit. And then you got the transfer center from Arizona State. Like, it, yeah, look, I'm not saying these are outlands. Saying these guys are going to win, you know, offensive line of the year or anything like that. But, you, you know, I, I think I think we've seen Corcoran and Benhart earlier than if you had had a really good humming program with a good offensive line culture with good retention. I don't even think we would have seen these guys yet, right? But they were pressed into action well before they were ready. Clearly, you, you just said it. You just said it. They've been pressed into action. That's the best yeah. option Nebraska had. Or, all right, we're winning these high-profile recruiting battles over Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota. We told you you'd have a chance to play. We're going to give you a chance to play, and you're not ready for, for Big Ten play, and uh, you've not really settled in a spot if you're Corcoran. You've been right. You've been left. You've been guard. Uh, tackle or yeah. guard, and you've not had a year, COVID, and then last spring you were injured to settle in right. and just get a year of reps <laughs> or or an offseason yeah. of reps. You've had no bowl practice to get the 15 extra practices either if you're Nebraska on the lines of scrimmage. But, no, I mean, it is going to be an offensive line thing, and you have some um, – I didn't even mention Piper. Piper, no, I think, performed pretty well down the stretch last year too. They got better, but Nebraska's uh, pro football focus grade, they were the worst or second to, to worst in the Big Ten uh, when it comes to it to, to run to run blocking yeah. and pass blocking. And as a unit, they yeah. graded second to last in the league. So there's only well, there's one direction to go <laughs> down, and there's uh, plenty of rungs to climb up uh, as far as where you end in the Big Ten. But no, I mean, it's, it's going to be about being physical, being fast, and being pretty big. I mean, those are the, the three pillars rule once uh, with his football team, and you want to win some close fourth fourth quarter games. You want to be the, the team that wins the war of attrition or the tougher football team. It is going to be the offensive line and defensive line that, that get it done. And, I mean, I'm anxious to see it. it, it he's the first to hit pause on the hype. He uh, he gets that it's just you know a, a day to day thing versus talking about uh, all this glory that's to come. I mean he's very measured with that, but yeah. I like his approach, and uh, he's going to do it with uh, a fast football team. But he gets, I think, the way to win in the Big Ten and beyond, and that's with uh, downhill and being physical. Can he get the guys? 
move that direction here sooner rather than later. And it's just something that you can't, you just don't, you're not able to typically rush the lines of scrimmage. Well, and it's a, there's a trickle down effect too. When that isn't right, then you have issues at, at running back too. You remember Anthony Grant first half of the year, how he ran the ball versus second half. Second half, he didn't trust it. No. He didn't trust that there, there were going to be holes, and a lot of times there weren't. <laughs> so you could understand where he was coming from. And then he, all of a sudden he's starting to try to bounce everything. And, you know, generally speaking, in most of the defenses he played, that isn't going to work because they're fast enough to pursue, you know. And so, so he didn't trust being able to, to run the play as designed because it was completely blown up, up for the most part. So then it forced him to bounce, and a lot of times he's retreating. And so, you know, he's, he's like losing yardage. And just the, the whole run game broke down, right? The, the entire thing broke down, and you just couldn't trust it anymore. You, it, and then as a play caller, if you're Whipple, you know, if you're Joseph, you're just like, we just throw it to Trey. That's, <laughs> that's, that's our offense. We're Trey, go long. We're going to throw it to you. Like, that's our offense. And that's essential. That's what the offense was. Mm-hmm. That's they all, can't that's what stop it. it. They know it's coming. Do it. Go deep. Yeah. But but let, let's also remember <laughs> yeah. that last year's offense wasn't run in a way that tried to protect the offensive line either with, with these these running schemes. Where you know what, get the quarterback out there. Whenever uh, Casey Thompson goes down, you have a, a capable runner in both Brock Purdy and Logan Smothers, and the team doesn't turn to quarterback run, which is the easiest way to protect an offensive line because it yeah. gives you a, a numbers advantage. You don't turn to it. You also have to to keep that in mind. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of, along with Schmitty Hewitt, this offensive line got better, but you're going up against the best, or, or I shouldn't say the best, but but the better run defenses on your schedule towards the tail end of the year. You also lose your starting quarterback, and you have a, an offensive quarter that's unwilling to call anything that's that's going to try to help out this offensive line. So there's a culmination of factors there. I'm not trying to argue that the offensive line in any way, shape, or form was, was better than average last year. It, it was still the problem within the offense, but I also don't think you had... Uh, a system which tried to protect them, knowing that they're the weak link on the on the offense as a whole. What an S show, right? Like, let's—I mean, this really happened last year. Like, let's think about that. You remember Frost coming into a post game, talking about how him and the offensive coordinator can cooperate better. It's like, are you guys? You guys at what? You're arguing about? <laughs> what do you mean you can cooperate better? Are you serious? <laughs> like that's really happening right now, coach. Like, what are you? But that—that's what they were dealing with last year. They were dealing with that, and then Frost getting fired, and then a new coach coming in, and then Whipple just being like, "We're just going to throw it to Trey," and no variety, no creativity in the run game whatsoever. That—that that is one thing that I think Frost truly did understand and was very good at was variety in the run game. Mm-hmm. You know, like he he figured out some pretty unique ways. He was pretty innovative, got the quarterback involved. You know, he could generally – I wouldn't say they were, you know, just plowing over defenses with their run game, but they were they were good at scheming it, and they were good at, like, at least keeping you honest on the ground. Whipple, no, man, he just had a few basic – Zone plays, and that was kind of it. It was it was Tecmo Bowl, right? There's four run plays, <laughs> right? And, and we and, did not and, have Bo Jackson. 
No, and, and away you go. I <laughs> uh, see. But, I, I was going to make the Madden comparison. Whenever you're playing your buddies in Madden, and uh, after like the first drive of the game, you say, "All right, running the football, not happening today. We're going to air it out." That that's what it felt like the Mark Whipple offense last year. Well, it'll be it'll be good to see Nebraska emphasize and focus in on uh, physical football. Uh, as a as a whole team, as a whole unit, Nebraska fans on social media loved seeing what what was put out there as the guys were out there in the uh, cold and snow and pushing the sleds uh, with uh, ten below windchill. Whipple's out there in his parka and his shorts and his stocking cap, and uh, guys seemed pretty Rule, fired. Not up. Whipple. Sorry, Rule, right? Rule. Thank you. Earth. I was like, "What? Did he make a return? Did I yeah. miss that article?" No. Whipple right now is yeah. is down in Arizona, probably looking for a golf ball. But thank you for He's for that fix. Yeah. I, I I slipped, but no. And and you you put this offensive line together with a pretty capable running back room, uh, some guys that are going to push for for time in a new scheme uh, with an emphasis on it. And things could look up, and then oh, by the way, there's six scholarship quarterbacks in the in the in the in the yeah. quarterback room here this season to sift through. It sounds like Casey Thompson's ahead of schedule uh, with his recovery, which is great. Uh, Logan yep. Smothers is somebody you want to see get a get a good look this um, summer as well. I don't know when his injury timetable shortens after after his procedure this offseason. And, and I and will say, I will say a bunch, bunch of guys. Logan Smothers is a guy where uh, reading in between the lines, not a guy that Matt Rule mentioned when listing out the, the quarterback situation when talking with 24-7 sports earlier this week. Not a guy that was that was mentioned by Matt Rule. We, we got a comment in on the stream yesterday, Schmitty, about this, and I don't think we had time to, to bring it up. Yeah. Logan Smothers is a guy that I do wonder about a potential position change, if, if that could happen. With his athleticism, yeah. you almost think of it like a McCaffrey situation. The guy's got a wealth sure, of athleticism. Right. You're unsure how he's going to fit in as a quarterback in a, in a new offense, the Satterfield offense, the Matt Rule offense. I know they like the RPO element, but not quite something that he has shown in, in his Husker career. He's been a guy that uses the legs to open things up and uh, just take what the defense gives you from a passing game sense. and just kind of unsure how he's going to fit into the uh, the, the new offense, the new look offense, and you go, is this a potential candidate for a position switch? Because I, I don't see him beating out the likes of Casey Thompson and, and Jeff Sims in a quarterback battle, and then where does that leave you? So I, I do wonder what else could he bring to the field aside from being a quarterback, especially whenever you know what you start off two months into the, into the job for Matt Rule and he's not listing you as a, a guy that he's – you know, watching for in the quarterback room. That's automatically a bad sign. And, and coaches will do that. It um, may have been unintentional for Matt Rule leaving out Logan Smothers. But even if it is uninten- unintentional, it kind of lets you know what's going on behind the scenes. Because if you got a guy who's in the running to get significant playing time at quarterback next season, not a guy you're going to forget about mentioning in an interview. No, and uh, that's, that's uh, a fair point. And We'll see where things shake out with uh, the quarterback chase. Weekend edition, Hail Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. It's presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. As uh, we're uh, at, a, at a new landing spot this morning on KFOR FM 1015, uh, 1240 AM, and can stream and watch the show. Uh, on uh, three different platforms, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. If you want to watch, 
as well as listen. The Hail Varsity Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio. Give that a follow. And also the KFOR Twitter handle at KFOR Radio. Quick time we gotta start out. doing traffic reports, man. We got to start doing traffic reports. We really do. <laughs> and here's our latest traffic report. It's still impossible to get across Lincoln and I, I, I channeled the old weather report from Family Guy, right? Let's go to Al Roker. Al, what's happening? It's, it's cold right. outside. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is cold and snowy outside. Uh, quick time out. Let's uh, rewind it. In a moment, we'll hear from former Buffhead coach Gary Barnett, his take on the Dylan Riola chase. Where is that for Nebraska? What would it mean to, to land him as 24-7 is actually crystal bald? Our dear friend Mike Schaefer is crystal bald, Riola to Nebraska. Can that mm. be a thing that uh, March 25th weekend going to be a monster weekend visit for Nebraska with some high star prospects? Should be noted. So some college football be, thoughts on the way. What were you going to say, Elijah? It should be noted that crystal ball from uh, from Shafe, only a four out of ten on the confidence scale. So, Well, it's better than two out of ten. It's a great point. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Quick time out. Gary Barnett's next to Tail Varsity Weekend presented by Currency. Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hail Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hail Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook and all of the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Now back with Hail Varsity Radio with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. We welcome in Hall of Fame coach Gary Barnett to talk some uh, winter conditioning. Coach, how are we doing? Well, I think we're going to get sunshine today for for a while. <laughs> and it's been chilly down here, and, and really the forecast is not for it to get much better. So, But, uh, you know, you still got to pick up your – clubs and go play i mean you got nothing else to do so <laughs> i will trade you a uh, snow shovel for a nine iron how you feel about that <laughs> well i handle them both about the same so uh, <laughs> sounds good to me hey i, I want to ask you about what's we'll get into nebraska colorado the off season all this good stuff but if you're notre dame and and you have a chance to add uh Utah's offensive coordinator, but the the two point eight million dollar buyout being a roadblock, man, w- would that tick you off, or do you do you say anything about it, Coach? Talk to me a little bit about the uh, the economic parts of of having to and wanting to add to your staff after you lose somebody. Well, I think a lot of it depends on where you are and the, the philosophy that you live under, and I think Notre Dame has sort of always been that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you, you got to give them credit to, 
to being true to themselves and, and to what they believe in. And so I, I think, uh, I know back when I was, that, that sort of thing was an issue mm-hmm. and then, and that was, you know, so it, I, I think they're just being Notre Dame, which is, you know, I, I'm being complimentary of them because I, you know, I, uh, respect the fact that they're true to themselves in this deal. So, um, the other side of the coin is it's a it's a different world out there for everybody other than a few schools like Notre Dame and you know you got to decide you know how far you're going to go and um, you know that's a decision that uh, I think as a culture um, that university uh, you know has has made some decisions and like I said you got to give them credit. Gary Barnett with us here on Our City Radio. Coach, a lot's been made because it's it's new for Nebraska and what Coach Rule's doing with support staff. I mean, he has 38 or 39 people around the program. It's right around what Bama and Texas have. And, and what's your take on that? How many folks would you have had around the program uh, had you been able to do it? And do you like that that move and that philosophy of – of having uh, so many bodies there that can that can help uh, further the program. I think that that's just the way it is for most of these programs now. And I think one nil, not so much nil, but uh, for sure the the transfer portal commands its own group of people, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's whatever you're willing to pay for. I, um, I was never in a position where that kind of option was available. So I'm not sure what to think of it. <clears throat> I think the other thing is making sure you can find 38 people that you really trust and buy into everything you're going to do. Do you really have time to vet all those people? Um, or do you just rely a lot on faith? and making some of those hires and on reputation and their past, which I'm sure it is, but, um, you know, it's, it's a big organization. They, they all are. And I know university of Colorado has gone the same way. There's, we don't have enough offices for all these guys. So are all these people, but, um, it's, it's the way of the world now. And it just sort of, you know, whether you like it or not, that's the way it's going to be. And so you better find a way to appreciate it and respect it and work with it. Let's talk about the task at hand. Nebraska's in the process of trying to get down to, to 85 scholarships. Uh, they're at 101 or 102 right now. And uh, the other thing you're going to do between now and, and the end of April is to, to try and improve your line of scrimmage. What's reasonable, Coach? What can you get done between now and and the end of spring ball on both lines of scrimmage. You got a lot of guys that have played a lot of snaps on the offensive side. You got a new defensive coordinator you've never worked with that is going to instill what he wants defensively. But uh, what? How much can get done? How, what? What? What needs to get done? Well, m- most of it at this point in time is is a lot of mental work. And I when I I say mental work, just. <clears throat> Off-season programs for me were times when I wanted to see who would compete, who who wanted to compete more than everybody else, and who would do anything 
to accomplish what they needed to accomplish within the, the rules. So uh, it was a time for me to really push competitiveness with my team uh, and weed out the guys. Uh, and it's, it becomes pretty obvious which ones aren't going to be competitive and, and uh, in, re-enhance, reinforce, uh, make better the, the other uh, players. So you, you want, you want everybody to have a, this competitive mindset, one that the never quit mindset Two, no matter it's not, it can't be too tough for me. We can do anything here. We can, you know, we can endure a lot of hard work. We can force ourselves to do things that we didn't think we could do in the off season in your off season workouts. So, uh, you know, I create, I split my, my groups, my players into seven or eight groups. They had a captain, they competed against the other groups in all this, these workouts. We kept score. We kept score. To the, we put a list down in the locker room of the guys who, who, um, who couldn't finish some of the tasks, uh, you know, and, you know, we just held everybody accountable and we pushed the competitive limits of our players to see who, who could go to those limits. Did you, have some grace for guys that maybe weren't on board or capable early on, but, but rounded into shape. Is there a guy you, you, you ran off and that maybe that's not the best term you, you moved on from, let me rephrase that, uh, that, that you regret or man, do you let the, the players handle that? The system handles it. I, I, you know, you're either in or you're out. Mm-hmm. Is pretty much it. And, but it, you know, it's a process. You're not going to everybody be in or anybody be out on the first day. It's a, you set a time, you tell them how many there's going to be. And, you know, at this certain date, you're either in or you're out. And it's, it's not that hard to do. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, in, it's incredible how hard these kids will work and how closely it draws them. Now, you know, there's, there's a, there's some, things in place now where you can take a kid a first time coach, new coach can take a kid off the team, pay for his education and uh, remove him from, from your scholarship list now and him and he won't be on the team. So this, this is happening right now to a lot of new coaches uh, in programs. Coach, what would it mean for Nebraska in your opinion, the college football world, the, the, the optics, uh, let's just focus on that. We don't know if it'll be a, a hit or not, but those high-profile five- and four-star quarterbacks tend to be pretty good if they stay. What would landing a guy like Dylan Riola mean for Nebraska? Immediately, it'd be a lot of good pub, uh, but then it it just comes down to, after that, there's a lot of work, and you know he's got to handle the work, and uh, you know, it's, it's like an, it's like announcement on signing day. Everybody gets excited. And then guess what? The excitement's over and you go to work and then you got to prove your value. So it's, it, it isn't any different for, for Riola than it is for anybody else. And, um, you know, it'll be a big public hit. And until the first game, um, or the first chance he has to prove himself, mm-hmm. you, you don't really know. So it's uh, everybody, once the publicity's over, everybody starts at the same place. 
and then how do they progress? So uh, is, is, that's what's really important. With these young quarterbacks you see that, that go and, and really perform at a young age, and I'm talking about the Tua's, I'm talking about uh, the Hurts's, the I'm talking about the Lawrence's, and, and guys you coached against, is there, a, is there a young guy that blew you away? Drew Brees. Good call. Uh, Good call. Be, because uh, most of those guys, it has to do with the people around them as much as anything. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, he, he's, got a, he's got an advantage from the get-go. Tua has an advantage from the get-go. But a guy like Drew Brees coming into Purdue as a freshman did not have any advantages. And uh, he just sort of made them into – and Purdue has been a program that's – through the years has been solid, mm-hmm. solid, you know, never really down and and uh, often getting to the top. So he didn't have the same advantages that uh, a quarterback at Alabama or at Clemson would have. But um, he, he made an immediate impact, and, and you could tell. You know, we – Junior had a, a basketball camp at, at South Lake many years ago, so we went down there. Right, that was J- Drew Brees's high school, and I know Texas is loaded with dudes, and he just was counted out until he beat you and went to 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 go play in the Rose Bowl, and then oh by the way, let's go win a Super Bowl just because of his height. I mean, do you believe that many folks were 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 squeamish on him. I mean, I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But wow, look how great he is, and look how many folks passed. Well, you gotta you gotta remember that was the that was the nineties. Uh, it was uh, ninety seven. I think it's the first time we played him. Ninety eight. Um, you know, everybody was after the taller quarterbacks. Nobody was. You know, the spread offenses weren't necessarily in. You were running three by three wide receivers one back, but you weren't running the option. And, and so uh, that kind of quarterback was lower shelf, you know, he wasn't top shelf guy, a guy. And so, <laughs> and, and, but it changed all changed pretty fast. Not that he was an option quarterback, but yeah. he just proved that, uh, you know, there's guys that, you know, those numbers, those heights don't really mean all that much. Gary Barnett with his coach. We'll get you out here in a minute. Uh, a thought on, Eric Bieniemy and that second half, him and Andy Reid, and just what KC was able to do. Wow, they were on fire. They were on fire. That was a very creative uh, offense. I I thought it was brilliantly handled there at the end. Uh, I know a lot of people were going take the touchdown, take the t-. no way. I mean, they did it just perfectly, and those kids were coached up to do it. Perf- those men were coached up to do it perfectly. So yeah, it was it was a to me a great piece of of team play and coordination between coaches and players being on the same page and really both teams both teams played well. You you think about that game, no major injuries, um, one turnover. It was an unforced turnover. And that was it. Uh, very few penalties. The game went on. You know, great hits in that game. Uh, uh, great, you know a great chess game as well so yeah i thought it was as good as it could get the turf bother you uh it bothered me more because the announcers kept uh, drawing 
attention to it. I think if I were just watching it and not listening, I wouldn't have noticed it. Mm. No, I get you. It's, it's always fascinating to drive by uh, down in Arizona and, and see the grass growing, and then they roll roll the field in. <laughs> yeah, well, new new rye is always slick, and that's what that was. And yeah. so uh, it's always slick, and um, so I don't think it made a difference in the game, though. Are you uh, putting for dough this weekend? Do you got some tea times before we say goodbye? Well, yeah. <laughs> well, well I, I know you're playing, but I mean, are you are you honest? Are you on a heater? Are you are you winning? Um, no, I'm not. I'm 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 not I'm not winning. I'm paying out right now. So. <laughs> well, uh, let me, let's just hope that changes for you. All right. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Starting today. That's good, Coach. You take care. We'll check in. Thanks again for the time. All right, Chris. Great being with you. Gary Barnett with us here, Weekend Edition, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, the Rewind segment there with uh, Coach Barnett and uh, loved his take on uh, if Nebraska were to get a quarterback the caliber of Dylan Riola, uh, what that means. And he's 100% right. You get that initial bounce, that wow, that perception win, but then it's Time to, to do something with the talent, develop the talent, get the uh, the high-profile, high-level, air quote, next difference maker, and then put the work in, right? Nebraska, for sure, putting the work in uh, with winter conditioning, uh, loving the winter part of winter conditioning uh, yesterday. Junior's down in Arizona. I don't know that he went to go visit Uncle Barney, but Carson uh, pulled a, a page out of Coach McBride's playbook last night. So I, I FaceTime my mom and uh, just check in. How are things going? He's like, well, he's with his girlfriend's grandfather. Like, oh, yeah, what are they doing? They're out hunting scorpions. <laughs> so Junior is out hunting how do you scorpions. Hunt, how do you hunt them? Night. Very careful. Yeah, like, I, what do you even use? A spear? Uh, hammer? Yeah. torch? I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say yeah. some sort of net or something. I, I feel like the whole point of hunting scorpions is to catch them alive. I don't think you're going out there with a 22, but I don't know. I could be wrong. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I don't need him coming back with uh, uh, a damaged pitching hand. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, I'm, just, I'm just sitting here wondering. Yeah, I'm things. like, I don't think the the whole point. I don't think you'd want to come back with damaged scorpions if you're going out scorpion hunting. Like, you know, if you're taking a hammer or, or any sort of weapon to it, I think it's going to mostly destroy the scorpion. At which point, like, what's the point of going hunting for scorpions? Unless well, there's a difference between hunting and capturing. Yeah, well, I kind of tend to like try to avoid scorpions versus go towards them. Right. So, so good on Carson, I guess. You know. Yeah, nine lives. I got to get that figured out. And yeah. See if it's worth uh, worth checking into. Oh, uh, in scorpions, out. giant insects for the most part, right? Like, well, the, the smaller the scorpion, the bigger the problem, right? And there's really nothing like them. There's not like a family of animals that are like those, those guys. No. Uh, hour two is on the way with Hale Varsity Weekend. And uh, on the way, Brandon Vogel with us next hour. And uh, the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, Mark Cranach, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. This is Hale Varsity presented by Currency.
Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone, you're not customer-facing, it's casual dress, and the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at fscedge.com. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Our city radio presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency, Chris Schmidt, Mark Reynack, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in managing editor with HailVarsity.com and magazine Brandon Vogel at Brandon L. Vogel is where you find him on Twitter. Uh, Vogues is not out in the front yard hammering sleds. Uh, Vogues, any snowfall in your neck of the woods? No. Uh, stayed, stayed rain all week, which we got a lot of, but better than uh, i think what lincoln and omaha had to deal with so i'll take it vogues is uh, doing but, victory lap weather wise uh, for us but uh by the way did a little scorpion research uh, oh thank you in, in between our breaks um brandon i don't know if you heard but uh chris's son is in arizona and went scorpion hunting last night and it just kind of triggered a whole thing like are those insects are they ra-? so they're arachnids they're more closely related to spiders they have eight legs i didn't know that did you also know they live in Nebraska? I no. never knew that scorpions lived in Nebraska. There are scorpions in Nebraska. See, I, I always thought about the Lincoln it. Children's Zoo and stuff, and I always assumed that they're like some novel creature they shipped up from the Amazon or something. You're telling me they're in Nebraska? Yeah, there's there's little eighth-inch eighth inch ones oh. that don't even have like the stinger. So are you really a scorpion at that point? Like, come on. They, they got, <laughs> you know, they got the class and, and all that. And then there's bigger ones that have the stinger and, and everything in Nebraska. I had no idea. I never so to, to bring this back to football, if you don't uh, have some fourth quarter wins in the big 10, are you really a big 10 football team? Well, you, you definitely don't have are a you? stinger. That's for sure. Yeah, no. You, you got to get your stinger. Vogue's been a good week of, of Husker content. Love what Hale Varsity continues to do from recruiting to the winter conditioning coverage to, to Husker hoops. Uh, and, uh, of course, Nebraska baseball last night. Um, what, what's been the biggest why for you? Why is Nebraska 
been problematic in in tight ball games, specifically in the fourth quarter. Uh, some comments this uh, this week from Rule in some media sessions, and I'm interested in your take. You know, what do you think? What's been the biggest reason? There's a, a lot of reasons that make up one big result in in close tight ball games, um, and that's a change rule aims to fix uh, with with mental toughness, obviously, and then execution on the field. And you got to acquire that talent for sure. Um, give me a physicality rating. You know, if you look at Nebraska, they are as physical as who. Who do they look like in the Big Ten when it comes to just being a tough football team? Um, <clears throat> I mean, not, neither of these comparisons are probably going to be the ones that, that people want, but I think you'd have to go with kind of like a Maryland or an Indiana. Oh. And I, I think there's <clears throat> there's two pieces of this. Gross. <laughs> oh, I, you know, Illinois pre Bielema would have been in that category. Does that help you at all? Uh, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so the, re- the records they, say what they say, though, don't they? Yeah. Uh, so I mean, there's two pieces to this, and I think one of these, as it relates to physicality, also relates to why Nebraska kind of consistently came up just a little bit short and lost those fourth quarter games, if you want to put it that way. Um, defensively, defense is by its nature reactive. And I think that's a group under Eric Shenander that I saw that physicality increase um, kind of broadly um, on on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, we saw in 2021 a pretty strong defensive season. Um, 2022 had to replace some key pieces, dropped off a little bit, but I still saw pieces of that. Um, So that's one thing. I think the biggest thing, though, is the physicality on offense. Um, I don't think Nebraska ever fully established what it wanted that offensive identity to be. Um, And when you don't do that, it's hard to control games from the very start. Um, So, I mean, I've talked about it. I've kind of harped on it a lot. But, you know, last year, again, Nebraska trailed on on 48% of its snaps. So there's three game states, you know, winning, tied, losing, having 48% playing from behind. And we just saw that same game kind of play itself out over and over again with the Huskers over the past five seasons where you fall behind for, for whatever reason, expend a ton of energy to get back in it, and then come up short at the end. Um, just getting out from underneath that rock of consistently having to play your way back into games I think would make a big difference. And I think having a clear kind of offensive identity can help you uh, take control of games a little bit earlier. Brandon Vogel is with us. And uh, Greg in the stream says he got stung by a scorpion in Cave Creek, Arizona. I don't know yeah. that, that Greg was, uh, I should say uh, Carson was in Cave Creek uh, last night, but I will have to to, to check. Uh, yeah, He's going to some high-end shoe sneakerhead shop in in uh, scottsdale today hmm. uh, so maybe he'll get uh, some uh air jordans that uh that have a scorpion on them i don't know he's gonna shake my mother down for some sort of new kicks i'm sure 
And Elijah, Elijah in the stream just wanted to give himself some props because Rick said stash looks awesome. Eli. Okay. So I had to brag uh, for a second. Somebody out there mentioned it. So I had to bring it up, you know, you know, identity and physicality back on point. Yeah. Let's get back. Let's get back there. Let's get back there. Yeah. Brandon is, is part of this, you know, you've done really good work looking at, you know, quarterbacks for instance, and how much do they improve over the course of their career? And, one, one of your conclusions in a piece you did a couple of years ago was that they, they kind of are what they are from the beginning. They show you who they are and they make just moderate incremental improvement for the most part. Can you say the same about offensive line or do you think it's a little different? And I'm asking that because we've seen people like Ben Hart and Corcoran seemingly, seemingly pressed into duty maybe before they were ready. Um, and then now you, you got those guys coming in where, you know, they're, they got two, three seasons under their belt and that same amount of time eating and working out and experience and all that. Can, can you expect guys like that to show more than just incremental improvement and become legitimate offensive line like threats? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've never looked at it specifically. It's 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 harder to kind of objectively measure O-line play than it is quarterback, clearly. But we know it's probably the most developmental position um, on either side of the ball. So I, I do think there's, there's a chance. You know, we kind of assume with a player coming from high school, uh, whether they play early, whether they don't, that you're kind of getting used to the speed of the game, the new level of play, and that helps you kind of gradually increase. And in and, and the case of quarterback, what I found, it, it's very gradual. And your starting level, whenever you first get the chance to play, you're not going to – that like huge year one to year two jump, it just it doesn't happen very often. I think it's more likely on the offensive line um, you know, even some Nebraska linemen in the past who have gone on to to play in the NFL, whether they, you know, were fortunate enough to get drafted or caught on with somebody, you know, some of those guys, like you kind of look back at their career, they're like, yeah, that was pretty good. Like it almost surprises you that, you know, somebody like Alex Lewis, and then he was a transfer, um, obviously a different situation where you get, you get to the end of it. And we're already there with guys like Corcoran and Benhart. You're just like, well, man, they played a lot of football. Um, and, and guys like that end up, I think, doing better in the NFL. It's almost like they their, their NFL value ends up being a little bit higher than those of us who watch literally every every game they play, every snap they play, is, is in college. So that, to me, seems like maybe the argument for, yes, offensive lineman improvement is happening on maybe a, a more regular schedule um but without those big jumps you're still kind of struggling to see it brandon when you look at the the offensive line one through 14 we're talking about the the pro football focus rankings from last season among big 10 offensive lines in nebraska was down near the bottom based on uh, pass blocking and run blocking numbers last year and i guess pro football focus some people disagree with their metrics but it it does tend to do a pretty good job of uh, at least giving you a general idea of how good or bad an offensive line is or really any position group is and nebraska near the bottom last year i don't think any nebraska fans would contest that if nebraska's offense is to be successful in 2023 where do you think it needs to rank among big 10 offensive lines by by pro football focus by the end of next season um success for this program with kind of where it's starting from in my view i think if you can rank in the top half in the Big Ten, you're a pretty good offensive line. So 
for Nebraska to get somewhere close to say six, seven wins, uh, you probably got to be in that seven, eight, nine range. I'm, I'm guessing, and I think you know that would that isn't an unrealistic goal or expectation. Uh, maybe an unrealistic expectation. Certainly not an unrealistic goal for this group. When you look at some of the experience that it, that it brings back, uh, you look at adding somebody back in like Nori. Um, getting Teddy Braska healthy, um, things like that, and then bringing in a couple of key transfers. Um, middle of the Big Ten, I think, is a great starting point for an offensive line and a program, you know, that hasn't had a winning season in, in six seasons. I uh, I look at the offensive line, and time will tell with with the the pecking order, and you had. I, I think six different line lineups last year due to injury. I mean, it, it used to just be taken for granted <laughs> where you had your, your same starting five and then you had your same three or four guys that would rotate in by a, by a second series in the third quarter. And, and Nebraska had a great habit of, whether it was a close game or not, you still got guys meaningful reps in crunch time. Uh, and that's how you got your experience. You earned it Monday through Thursday on the practice field. You had plenty of uh, stations uh, in your football life where you, you worked, you were coached the right way, and then your training sets you, set you up for success on Saturday. And I think Nebraska is getting back to that mindset mentality and listen this isn't you know Mike coach Kavanaugh uh, with the offensive line recruited some some NFL guys and they had good moments in Lincoln uh, coach Austin recruited some NFL guys they had good moments in in Lincoln but just from a continuity standpoint I think that's the big part get some guys keep them healthy and then find a system that your offensive coordinator your your run game coordinator and your offensive line coach are all singing the same key. And I don't know that that's had been a reality uh, last year. For sure. We talked about the desire to run the football or the, well, I guess we've got to run the football <laughs> type mentality. Uh, so, you know, with Nebraska, they can stay healthy. That's been a big issue. And then find some guys, Vogues, because uh, you have plenty of, of names to pick from that can also be that uh, that depth we talk about that, that helps turn tight fourth quarters into successful fourth quarters. I mean, do you like the group Nebraska has to work with? Do you like the group Raiola has to work with on the offensive line? Yeah, I think I like them. Um, I mean, you, you look at players who are experienced, uh, some guys we mentioned like Corker and Ben mm-hmm. Hart, um, played a lot, still kind of waiting for them to, to kind of, I think, get to, to where we think their ceiling was based on what we thought of those players coming out of, coming out of high school. Um, you know, and I think, I think some of this, you know, as we talk about, you know, players that have gone on and, and had pretty good pro careers. Well, while being at Nebraska, we're kind of like, yeah, he's one of their best offensive linemen, but it's not somebody who's like, preseason first team all big 10 um which is tough to do in this this league to be fair you know somebody like nick gates nick gates was a a really highly touted 
uh, offensive line recruit was a recruiting win, played a lot of football at Nebraska. But at the time that, you know, he declared to, to go to the NFL draft, it kind of felt like, well, did Nebraska get the most out of, out of him? And, and I don't mean this as a slight at him. I look at it more as kind of just the, that, that lack of offensive cohesion, um, which, which has been the case at Nebraska for a while. There's not been a clear identity where you could just say, that's what Nebraska is going to do. Um, that's the type of the offense they're running. And if you can stop it, then hats off to you. Uh, you're probably going to win the game, but it's hard to stop. It's, it's been a long time since that's been the case at Nebraska. And, you know, to the depth point of it, that's another thing where particularly on the line, it gets tough to do that. Um, if you're, if you're trailing most the majority of the time, which was certainly the case for, you know, at least four of the past five Nebraska seasons. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale varsity radio. Um, all right, let's let's uh, just have a little fun. Let's prognosticate. I think we can safely say there will be position changes for a handful of guys this year. Let's pick three. Let's pick three. I, who do you think is moving and to where? Who are candidates from the limited information that you have and the limited time you've been able to see some of these guys and kind of reading the tea leaves of what depth charts could look like? at each position, are there a few candidates that jump out to you right away where you're just like, what about this guy playing here? You get to be kind of uh, GM over here, Billy Devaney style. <laughs> oh, Thank no. you for that reference. You bet. <laughs> um, the first one who comes to mind is somebody we've talked about previously and, you know, he's not going to be available in the spring, which I don't know how that changes kind of the math here but you look at somebody like logan's mothers with six scholarship quarterbacks on the roster something's got to got to happen there uh and it doesn't have to be logan's mothers is a slot back or a slot receiver now but it's possible i mean we've seen the athleticism with him he's somebody who to this point really seems to you know He's, he's had other opportunities to to try and find a different situation at quarterback specifically, but he's stuck it out of Nebraska, uh, and credit to him for that. So that's one. Um, I think it's, it's tough with returning players. You know, there's a handful of linemen who came in in this 2023 class who, you know, might be listed as O-linemen or defensive linemen that I think you could get some, some movement there between those uh those two spots also when you look at um i mean i like i like gifford quite a bit in that nickel role he's playing but uh you look at that that position too uh is one where with nebraska needing to basically replace its top three edge rushers i think there's some potential there for some of those defensive backs to potentially come down um just not sure who it is it's such a big group um, that one name doesn't kind of immediately jump to mind. Brian, when you look at that, that defensive back room briefly, that, that seems like a room that attrition is almost going to be guaranteed in as, as you move through the spring with just the scholarship numbers, the, the, the competition that's going to be there, and, and the, the newcomers that we've seen over the past, uh, put, let's call it 18 months in that defensive back room. It just feels like attrition is almost guaranteed in that room, right? Yeah, I would agree, particularly because, and I, I don't know the number off the top of my head, I haven't looked at it recently, but you look at some of the transfers in that room. I mean, 
you bring in you bring in some transfer defensive backs and those are guys that you know are are looking for a place to play um and in some cases they were playing at their at their previous stops so um i think that only adds to to that part of it and you know i think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago they've got they got more scholarship defensive backs and they have scholarship offensive linemen at this point and you know with just a hard roster number to hit eventually uh you got till august to do that but uh it seems inevitable to me that we're going to see some movement there Brandon Vogel is with us, weekend edition at Tale Varsity Radio at Brandon L. Vogel. It's where you follow him on Twitter. Vogues, before we get you out, what's uh, on the docket for Hale Varsity this weekend? Of course, folks can subscribe, hailvarsity.com backslash offer. Uh, get the magazine, get the digital content, and be a happy Husker fan with uh, just daily uh, coverage of uh, the Big Red. What, uh, what have you been working on and what's keeping you busy? Yeah, so we got the, the February issue off this week. Um, if you're local to, to Lincoln and Omaha, you may have already gotten it, but um, really good softball preview uh, in, in that issue, as well as a, a story on Maggie Mendelson from, from Drake Keeler, a profile of her uh, balancing two sports that, that really turned out well. So that's been most of the past week. And now we kind of turn our attention to Brady Oltman's doing a great job of running through our roster reset online, uh, getting ready for spring football to start here in a, a handful of weeks. Um, pretty, pretty excited for this Nebraska, Iowa women's basketball game this afternoon. Drake Keeler will, will have coverage for us on that. Nebraska's played Iowa tough. Um, a lot over the past two seasons just hasn't quite been able to get over the hump and kind of needs a win uh, for, for their tournament resume after the previous result this week. So that'll be a, a high stakes game that I'm looking forward to this afternoon. That will be big time. One o'clock at PBA, of course, Fred and the gang uh, tomorrow at four. Elijah, real quick. Yeah, Brandon, briefly, uh, let's talk some Husker baseball as they opened their season last night as a seven to three loss. Uh, to the University of San Diego, and uh, I just want to get your reaction. I know it's only one game in baseball. It's kind of something we mentioned off the top, not too much overreaction, but did you get a chance to, to watch the game last night? Uh, if so, what do you think? If not, uh, a 7-3 to three final score in game one, how does that strike you? Yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch it, but I did check out uh, the recap and the, and the box score to see, get a sense from what was happening that way. 11, 11 guys left on base for, for the Huskers. Uh, it's always going to make things pretty tough, I guess, in a game one of, of a new season. You can take solace in the fact that you're, you're putting that many people on base. You know, that's kind of – it's it's the great thing about baseball. It's such a cause and effect game that you can see these things where you're like, eh, you put 11 guys on base most of the time, you're going you're gonna to score more than three runs. So – Game one, it's always tough for, for a team like Nebraska going to warm weather spots where it has to go to start the season. But I think there were some encouraging pieces of it. And uh, we'll see. It's a, it's a long season. We'll see for sure. Uh, Coach Bolt, man, uh, has his team ready and geared up. And uh, just one game, but you know he had to be frustrated with the, the 11 runners stranded. Uh, on on base. Uh, see if they can shake out of it today. Bogues, always appreciate you, man. Great insight as always. Love talking uh, ball with you. And uh, thanks for joining us this morning. For sure. Have a good weekend, guys. You too. There he is. Brandon Vogel with us here on Hale Varsity Weekend Edition. 
and um, we'll uh, be sure to look forward to, to some of that coverage. And uh, we'll dive into some hoops here uh, next with uh, Gary oh, yeah. Sharp, some baseball thoughts, and of course, uh, winter conditioning. We'll find our way to the Iron Horse. He's uh, in the on deck circle at Tail Varsity Weekend, presented by Currency. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Back with you, it's Weekend Edition. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by Currency. We welcome in the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, as uh, we're streaming here on the uh, Hale Varsity YouTube channel and uh, can watch the show there. And Sharpie, uh, <laughs> you, you had a, uh, a shot there of the parade celebration uh, in the backdrop. Now it's all the, uh, the, the intramural medals uh, behind your right shoulder. Uh, I like it, but... You got to be uh, still some. There we go. Oh, yeah, yes. got Mahomes and the beer goggles, and it's it's uh, quite wonderful here uh, in all its glory. Your your Chiefs kingdom, man. Uh, another Super Bowl ring, ho hum, right for your fellas. Yeah, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to do. That's two in four years. Yeah, hmm. uh, you know it was weird. Like the first Super Bowl, like we we've all had our teams that have won championships is that first time you're like really emotional. Like the second time, I mean, I, you never take it for granted, but it's like a, it's like a completely different uh, feeling. But, uh, you know, I mean, 15 and Andy Reid together and you throw the ball to 87 and your offensive line blocks like that. I will tell you that I did a lot of pacing at halftime. I, I probably put more steps in than Rihanna at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, you, you, you didn't mention quickly. You said uh, that – we all have that moment where you watch a team win a championship, and I'm there, but I do have a buddy named uh, Kalen, works up in Norfolk. Uh, and I said you have a friend. Yeah, no, no, but but he's a Lions fan and he's a Husker fan, and he was born in 1999, so not all of us get to see championships. No. Let's keep that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> but no. uh, Gary, Speaking of champions. I was just going to say, oh, yeah, I want to get your reaction to Eric Bieniemy off to, off to Washington before we get into some Husker news. It's probably good for both sides. Uh, it amazes me that EB doesn't have a job. Uh, there's got to be something more than just a bad interview um, and hopefully moving away where now he'll be the game designer and game caller, which he's not in Kansas City. Uh, that will help his stock when people look at him. Um, so, you know, it's an interesting place where he's going because I think Ron Rivera is on the hot seat. But I think for where he wants to get, this is probably the right step for him. Um, but it, it shows you, I mean, Kansas City's had some continuity in play calling in it. And as long as Andy Reid is there, he's going to design the plays and he's probably going to make a, a lot of the play calls. But good for Eric Bieniemy, and I hope he does well in Washington because he's been great with Kansas City in whatever role that he has filled over his time standing next to Andy Reid with his Waffle House menu. 
Uh, me was a beast at Colorado too. Darian oh, Hagen hey. and no, no, well, no, no, not a beast. I hated him in nineteen. I know. <laughs> I mean, I had, a, I had a change yeah. that I liked Eric Bieniemy when he came to Kansas City because yeah. I hated him at Colorado. Oh, was yeah. a, oh him he and Hagen, good. and I will never forget. Michael I mean, Pritchard. that 1990 game will stick with me for my entire lifetime, especially that fourth quarter, which the whole fourth quarter was Colorado. Yeah, yeah, it was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. We uh, we we referenced the, uh, the 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 90 Colorado game, uh, kind of the pre-Husker era of fourth quarter dominance, right? That yeah. was one of those games, fellas, where Nebraska got smoked uh, in, in the fourth quarter, 27 unanswered. In freezing rain, some of us still can't feel our feet from that south end zone experience. But th- uh, that's what was funny about that kind of era too: is Nebraska's only losses were basically to national title teams, right? Yeah. Lost yeah. to Colorado, lost to Washington, lost to G Tech, yeah. Miami. That, that, the only time they lost was to teams that won the national title and went un- went undefeated. Um, hey, let's speaking of uh, being on top of your game, and you know, kind of you know, like the Chiefs being on top of the football world. You know, Nebraska basketball is threatening to be on top of the CBI. Is that still a tournament? No. I don't know if it is. Um, it, but it's still hey. it's still a tournament. So is the CIT. Okay, but that is a no go for Nebraska. Nebraska's threatening. They're threat. They're on the bubble. They're on the CIT bubble, and I think we can all admit that. Uh, Thirteen and fourteen right now. Going to take on Maryland uh, tomorrow at four o'clock, and it's going to get fun if nothing else, yeah. right? Like you got a three game homestand. The, the crowds are going to be good. Football is over. People are ready to watch some hoops. Casey Tominaga is, you know, getting more of a cult following by the day with Steph Curry tweeting at him and all that. Um, now you got Maryland coming in fresh off of the, the win over Purdue. And they got, they got one of those kind of classic point guards that you always hope you get, right? You hope you get a guy like Jameer Young that can just get into the paint, get to the line, distribute, steal, score. I mean, the guy, you know, he, he kind of makes them go. I'm trying to figure out who's guarding him. Do you know? Like, who? if Bandamel's on the team, Bandamel clearly draws that yes. assignment. I'm looking at the roster now, and I'm like, man – I don't know what you're going to do. Do you box and one him? Do you Sam Hoyer? Just two, three? You like, what? what do you do? I, I think they'll start with Greasel on him and see if he can keep him in front. Oh, no, um, no. Mar- Maryland's playing really, really well. You know, you, you brought up getting on a run, and we've seen this in February a little bit, where last year, you remember the run, Ohio State yeah. and Wisconsin, and Nebraska kind of teases you. If you really want to get giddy here, with four games left and the next three are at home, with Minnesota, which is – the worst team in the Big Ten by far, yeah. and then Michigan State. You know, I think Nebraska, if they could get to 17 wins, they'll get to the NIT. But that's asking a lot um, because I didn't, I did not see the Knight and Rutgers coming at all. You know, no. double figure underdog on the road. They haven't been a completely different identity on the road. But man, that was not a fluke. They dominated from start to finish, and so they come home, and I. You know, for the next two days, this afternoon with Iowa women in town and then Maryland tomorrow, PBA is going to be rocking. But it's kind of it's, you know, it's one of those things we've all talked about, the three of us. Um, we, we've talked about, OK, Fred said this is a likable team. That's one thing that's held the course the entire season. This is a likable team because they play hard. And as you mentioned, Tominaga is becoming a rock star. I mean, kids are attracted to him. He's playing well. He makes it fun. Nebraska basketball has gone through about a three week stretch where it's fun again. Now, is there any way they can have a four-month stretch under Fred Hoiberg where it's fun the entire time? 
even with the ups and downs of a season, there is a lot more fun times than there are, oh boy, they blew it at Illinois, they blew it at Purdue, those kind of discussions. You know, one other interesting thing about this year and the job that Fred Hoiberg has done, you know, Trev Alberts commented on how they've, hey, they've totally changed their identity. They went to more of a defensive, grind you down, you know, not so much kind of um, offense-based, you know, it's it's defense, it's play smart, it's play hard. But then midseason, you have to adapt again, right? So, so the, the two guys that I think exemplified that mentality the most, Bandamel and Gary, they're out. So now you have to change course again. And then in the last game, that was sort of Fred Hoiberg going back to his offensive wizardry. What what did they do offensively, Gary, to re- really change course again and all of a sudden get shooters free and have them knock them down? Well, you have to hit the shots, first of all. And when you have Wiltshire, who has not hit a lot of shots when you need it, can shoot at a high percentage. So they have to adjust the game where you dump it into Walker and He's he's become an elite passer from yeah. the post position, but I think they're playing. They played faster on uh, Tuesday night against Rutgers, and and when they're hitting shots, it looks like that. But I will to another point, and you guys can all chime on this. This is my observation. So you lose Gary and Bandemil, and that's a big hit because if you have those two guys, is Nebraska in this position, or are they forced to really go outside of their comfort zone with rotations? and how they attack the game when they don't have those two quality guys on the floor. So all of a sudden, Tomanaga is playing more. Let's be honest, if Gary and Bandemil don't get hurt, is Tomanaga playing this amount of minutes? Because he wasn't playing consistently when those two guys were here. But He's I only think, started nine games this no, year. I, I've also yeah. seen, I think Fred has had to be a better coach. You see that he's got a short le- leash. Cato was really good against Wisconsin. He wasn't good the other night. But he didn't play very much. And when you knew that it was trending the wrong way, he took him out of the game. And so he's managed the minutes. Breidenbach, when Breidenbach, he just comes in for a quick little splash, they get him out of the game. I think Fred has done a better job in-game because he's been forced to. And that's that's a good sign for him if you're trying to judge, okay, what's this going to look like next year? So Gary, well whenever, whenever, whenever you look Go at it, it, it's it's not a case of we, we all know Fred Hoiberg's coaching acumen. We've seen it this season. We've seen it in his previous stops. The problem that he's faced at Nebraska is roster construction. I think there's going to be more roster construction needed this next offseason. I don't want to look too far ahead, but but Gary, when you look at what could possibly be coming back for this team next season, I mean Fred Hoiberg's going to have to do a, a hell of a job putting together some pieces next season because we can all see that this team doesn't have the kind of talent that's going to it's going to stack up to the rest of the the foes you're going to face in the Big 10. There, there's going to be change needed this offseason. I, I think we're at the point where you know Fred's coming back, but but how big of a shift is going to be needed this offseason? Well, you're going to have to find some dudes and you're going to have to find a point guard. I mean, Sam Greasel, uh, who is turning out to be one of the better student athletes just as a as a good guy that Nebraska's had in a long time. He got kind of spoiled. Now, is he a guy over the long haul in the Big Ten? Probably not. He's got some limitations, but he's been exactly what you've needed this year. But you got to go find a point guard, whether that guy is already in your program or he's somewhere else. you got to find a dude at point. Mark, you were bringing up Young of Maryland. People are going to see that tomorrow. The value of having a guy that can be a facilitator and also can get to the rack and can score points when need be, that's what Nebraska needs. But they also are going to need a five. You know, Derek Walker, we see him a lot. Yeah. I, 
I think we're spoiled with Derek Walker. And he might good. be even undervalued around the country really good. because of how much he does. So this is going to have to be an important offseason for Nebraska. It's going to have to be very good in the portal. And, you know, that can be a hit or miss. So you also have to judge Elijah, Mark, and uh, Schmitty is guys that are currently on the roster. When you have a good roster, what is their role? Is Tomanaga a key player on a roster that is full of dudes? Or is he a good third, fourth option? I mean, those are a lot of things you have to sift through. But I think a point guard and a big man replacing Greasel and Walker are utmost, utmost importance. And I think you got to get some guys at those positions that have tread on their tires. I don't think you can start over with some newbies at the beginning of the year because Nebraska is going to have to win next year. And it has to be an NCAA year. And there's nothing that says, hey, Northwestern, nobody expected them. They lost their two best players. They might win the Big Ten. Say that out loud. They might win the Big Ten, and it's past Valentine's Day, and they're already in the tournament. That's a lot happening in in the the Big Ten realms of of college basketball. That's going to be a tough ask. And look to the point of Derek Walker. Look where he started. Look where he's at in his Husker career, right? I mean, that's, that's development. That's work on his part. That's work by the coaching staff. That's a lot of perseverance. You're seeing it, it pay off here as a passer, as a guy that can face the rim and get to the rack. Uh, Greasel's been incredible, to your point, with uh, just his mentality, right? That, that blue collar, let's come in and set the tone for the rest of the locker room. And with Tomanaga, he's a guy in a perfect world that you come in and he gets you double digits off the bench his role is to come in, hit threes. His role is to come in and, and get some great backdoor cuts. Fabulous movement without the basketball and, and and be a spark scoring there because as nice of a run as he's been on, he still uh, can, can be abused at times on the defensive end. And uh, if he's not on, and Nebraska's had too many nights early in the season when Tominaga and Wiltshire were both off. You need that three-point threat. Uh, catch and shoot or get to the basket guy and he's been great at it but in a perfect world he's uh he's a ladder option in my opinion uh even though he's had a great run right now maybe maybe this is his launching point maybe this is Tomanaga here to stay uh versus a, a nice little kind of golden era right now well you say Tomanaga here to stay does his recent run increase his stock when it comes to making a decision on his professional career. I'm not talking about the NBA, right. but here's somebody who could make a lot of money going back closer to home. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think you need to watch what his decision is in the off season, because sure. I think there will be options out there. I don't, I don't say options of he'll get in the portal and go somewhere else. I'm thinking maybe he decides that this is as high as it's gotten. And now I can cash in on it. Because he can go back to Asia, guys, and he can make a lot of but, money but, if that's what he chooses. But, Gary, on the other side of things, this is where the NIL factor changes things for, for college athletics, where I think 10 years ago, you'd, you'd I don't want to say bank on the fact, but it'd be a, a pretty good bet that he could go cash and he could start making money. But he's been able to make money, and now with this run at the end of the season, I think it, it could open up offseason NIL opportunities, which would be something that could keep a guy around. I think this is the the changing scene of, of college athletics that we're seeing, where that's now an option for guys like Kese. Yeah, and that'll put into, you know, into the spotlight, what is Nebraska basketball's NIL situation? We know what it is for football, 
And my gosh, we know what it is for volleyball in Nebraska. What is Nebraska basketball's NIL situation? Because let's be honest, whether it be somebody currently on your roster or somebody you got to go get, Nebraska is going to have to, from the basketball standpoint, be very comfortable and very strong when it comes to NIL. Because in that world right now, we're seeing NIL become very, very important to get guys to move from one location to another or to say no to a professional career, whether it be the NBA or over in Europe. So that's going to be another thing to, to watch in the offseason. And that's do people have enough faith that Nebraska basketball can next year get it right from start to finish that they're like, you know what? This is an investment that I want to go with. Gary Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Nebraska baseball kicked off their season last night in San Diego. Some uh, interesting little moves there. Josh Karen was starting at catcher, Griffin Everett not. And I know he got some time behind the plate last year, but I found that noteworthy. Um, have you heard? Is, is I would have to imagine that's an injury situation for Everett, where he's still able to bat. He DH'd. Yeah. Have you heard? Either way, I'm just curious about that. I I think, Mark, it's just a situation as they have two good catchers and, you know, they they, kind of want a little bit more out of Griffin and and they know they can get more out of him. I I wouldn't read a ton into it. They're going to have two really good uh, receivers behind the plate um, and you'll see you'll see enough of Griffin throughout the year. And so we're going to see we're going to see a new guy tomorrow, Caleb Clark who has immediately earned the respect of the entire team. Obviously. Yeah, you, you, like, brought, you brought him up a couple of weeks ago when he talked to the media the first time. Yeah. They, 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 you know, the, the coaches bring him up, the players almost like foregone conclusion. Like, yeah, that's one of our guys, like for sure. Lefty out of uh lefty out of Canada. He'll make Ontario. his tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so how much, uh, I, I was just thinking about it. It's been a little bit, it's been a little bit, it, at least last year, they didn't really have it. You got to have that top end guy at some point. Yeah. He, he's got a chance if, if he's as good as advertised, he could move up into that Friday spot potentially, right? Well, watch today when Kaminska, the transfer from Wichita State, pitches. I tell you, they like their Olsen Kaminska combo. And you know, the thing about baseball, and, and, and you guys know this, is you play 56 games. So last night was the opener, didn't go so well on the back end. The back end of the bullpen, they got to figure out. Um, Nebraska couldn't get those timely hits. They had opportunities with guys in scoring position. You know, you open up the season, you leave double figures on the bases. So you can't overact to game one. But I tell you, they like Kaminska. But they feel like they've got a good Friday-Saturday combo. And if Clark can fill that Sunday role, they like their threesome in the Big Ten when they get to the weekend. But today's an important day. I think they need to see something out of Jace Kaminska because – they thought highly of him when he transferred from Wichita State that he's going to be a guy that can get a lot of swings and misses. So this is a good bounce back day for for Nebraska with him on the mound. But, I, you know, you kind of start you watch the first couple of weeks and then you start to judge and you figure out roles and what this team is going to be like. But they had their opportunities yesterday. How do you guys like that Bryce Matthews got caught by the pitch clock? <laughs> and he, he struck out. I, I'm thinking, you know what? Has Nebraska practiced at all with the pitch clock? Because they haven't been at Haymarket Park because they redid the field. So they've been out at Den Hartog and they've been inside. So last night was probably a whole new thing with the pitch clock, I imagine. Oh, man. And Gary, we didn't even get to talk about this a couple of weeks ago when Major League Baseball enacted their changes um, for for how baseball is going to be played. I want to get your take on this because you're a baseball guy. But significant changes like it's going back yeah. to when we were collecting baseball cards, baseball, where like you there's no more shift. 
you're not doing that anymore. You can't, you literally can't do yeah. it anymore. No more shift. Got to have two infielders on either side of the bag of, of second base. You're widening the first base a little bit, which should increase steals. It, it, you know, it should um, help a little there. Uh, and then pitch clock. And, you know, it's going to be a way different game. What What is that going to do in your mind to just rosters in general? I, I, I think you've basically eliminated the Wade Boggs and the Ichiros because no one can hit no one can hit you know Tony Gwynn. You can't hit those shallow singles anymore. Those Makes me sad. Totally taken away by the shift. The t- and so everybody just went yeah. power hitter, power hitter, power hitter. I, I mean, I think it's going to be a significant change, and and we're in for a really weird major league season because well, of it. get ready for spring training with the pitch clock because I saw it a lot the last couple of years in AAA. I've seen a lot of the Storm Chasers games, and you don't really notice it after a while, and the game does move at a good pace. For pitchers and for hitters, it does take a little bit to get used to. Spring training is going to be rocky. I'm just telling you, it's going to be rocky because of veterans that have never done this before and they're vehemently against it, whether they got a ball in their hand or a bat in their hand, they're going to fight it and it's going to be an adjustment. And I, you know, the umpires are going to be the ones that got to enforce it. And you got to, you don't have a lot of young umpires that are coming up that have done this in the minors. These are older umpires that this is brand new and they have to enforce that as well. So it's going to be a little bit choppy, but I, I think in terms of hitting, it's going to show you again who the really good hitters are. Look at like a guy like Joe Maurer. Joe Maurer playing at the Metrodome would hit those little bouncing balls that would hit the turf and, and, and scoot on into center field for a base hit. Well, against the shift, he couldn't do that because they played him straight up the yep. middle. Now yep. you're going to have guys that are going to be forced to be better at the plate. I think it'll make the game overall, it'll make it much better. And I think with the pitch clock, when everybody gets used to it, the game will move with a good pace to it. Now, the one change that I hear a lot of people are upset about is the extra innings rule, and that's for a whole other show. But in college baseball, I like that they're thinking about, you know what, we have way too many three-and-a-half-hour games that are two-to-one where people just take their free time and they step out of the box and they mess around on the mound. Let's go. It helps the other players on the field, especially when you're behind a pitcher. You don't want a pitcher just taking a bunch of time. You want to get the ball and go, go, go. It helps you as a, a defender. So I'm glad that college baseball is at least addressing that as well because they're all thinking about the future of what – is the viewership going to be like? What about playing the game? Who's going to be with our game when we get 5, 10, you know, 20 years down the road? I, I would like Sharpie. to add, Gary, really fast that I, I've talked to some of the backroom staff for the Storm Chasers last year whenever the, the change was made. Sounds like the players hated it for about two weeks, the pitch clocks, and then they get used to it. You realize how much quicker games can go, and you start to deal with it. And I know from an umpiring perspective as well, uh, no one's yeah. unhappy about games speeding up. You get your game checked the, the same <laughs> at the end of the game, whether it's a two-and-a-half-hour game or a four-hour game. So I think it's, it's going to be a case of people getting used to it this spring. And then once you start realizing, you know what, I have a lot more time in my evening after a two-and-a-half-hour game compared to a four-hour game, guys get used to it, and they'll be all right. That's good stuff. Sharpie, just to end on this, and thanks for jumping on with us this, uh, this weekend edition. From an, from an offensive identity standpoint for Nebraska baseball, what, what are the, the fits, uh, what are the, uh, the talents on that bench for Coach Bold here? What, what can the offense be, do you think? Uh, more power, uh, better, better pop, or are they a, a team that you think with this roster is going to have to string together multiple hits per inning to score? 
Well, we they all gotta, like they got to put the ball in play. Yeah, <laughs> they got to put the ball in play. We'd like the corner infielders and the corner outfielders to be double figure home run guys. That's not yeah. going to happen. Even though Dylan Carey, there's a reason that he forced yeah. himself into the lineup to play third, and Max Anderson moved to second. He's he's a huge pickup for Nebraska. Um, I think this is a team, as Mark just alluded to, last year there were a lot of swings and misses, um, a lot of strikeouts, a lot of strikeouts in key situations with less than two outs and runners in scoring position. I think the way this team is built, this is going to be the prototypical get them on, get them over, get them in. I think that's the way they're going to have to play to have success because they don't have a bunch of big boppers in the lineup. But until they stop with with key strikeouts and a lot of swings and misses, not just on strike three, but strike one, strike two, they got to figure that out. Until that, they're going to have to be get them on, get them over, get them in and manufacture a lot of runs, especially early in the season before people figure out their roles. Yeah, they left 11 on last night. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. Not good. We'll see how it goes. Sharpie, enjoy your, your weekend. Have a good call this weekend, and thanks for uh, for hopping on with us, man. Hey, thanks, guys. Go Chiefs. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> there he is, the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. Uh, good stuff on football, baseball, basketball, your three food groups. Got to love it. <laughs> That's uh, right. Cranek, uh, weekend is what for you? You off to any volleyball or anything? That's right. Good? Yeah, we got a little volleyball. Going to go check out that Maryland game tomorrow, too. Well, get, shoot me a text, man. I'll be down there for it. I will. I'll hit you up. Let's good. do it. All right. All right. Putting him on the spot. I love that. <laughs> oh, I guess I got to call him. Uh... <laughs> ah, I would love to. I would love to. Lodge, appreciate you. Good stuff. Chris Schmidt yes, here. Talk to you on Monday with Hale Varsity, presented by Currency. A Huda Media Production. Heard at Sports Radio, every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio.